Welcome to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisperer podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, the Game Whisperer, and this is episode 42 of Funding the Dream, and I want to welcome all of our listeners. You know, we got a great show for you. This is the second episode of our third season, and this episode we're going to try things a little bit different. I have a lot of, a lot of information to share with you. I've invited a couple of guests to kind of chime in. We're going to talk to the guys over at Fleet and kind of see what they did uh, to have their Kickstarter campaign start off so successfully. And a quick question to our tax guy, John Skeen. Uh, we're going to ask him a quick ta- tax question. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about what's happening on Kickstarter around the board game community right now. We are about 10 and a half weeks in, almost 11 weeks into the year. We have already raised on Kickstarter over $656,000 in successful pledges in these first 10 and a half weeks. Do you realize that it wasn't until Labor Day weekend of last year that we raised this much money on Kickstarter for board games? So we're off to a great start. But it doesn't stop there. Of the active projects, game-related projects on Kickstarter right now, uh, I think there's 26 Uh, No, excuse me, there's 26 that have already successfully funded even though their project hasn't ended. And I went and did some research and added up how much money have they successfully funded so far this year. And we are looking at $417,000 that they've already funded. These are projects that still, some of them have a month to go. That means that when these projects end, if we were to end stop right now, we've raised over a million dollars of game-related projects on Kickstarter so far this year. That's half the entire total of Kickstarter last year. I don't get to play with all of the Kickstarter games. I wish I did, but occasionally I get one. And and this week I have been playing with a Kickstarter project that's out there called Cartoona, the artwork of Robert Burke. It is a a game of tile laying and building whimsical creatures. It's been a lot of fun because I've played with my wife and my daughters, and it's been very interesting as we each one of us play And it's kind of fun to see the creativity of somebody that has an interest in building this. For example, in Cartoona, my six-year-old has absolutely loved it. Uh, We leave it out, it sits on the dining room table, and it's played nonstop morning and night as she sees it there and plays it either by herself or with the family. Let's check in briefly, quickly with uh, a prior guest, John Skeen, who has answered some of the tax questions. One of our listeners wrote in and had a quick question, and I've asked John just to join us real quick to answer that question. John, thanks for joining the, the show again. I'm glad to do so. Uh, The question is, what happens if somebody wants to go out on Kickstarter and raise money not to start a company, but just to do a project, a film or a uh, a cookbook or something that they just want to do that, but they're not trying to do a career change and actually start a company? What are the tax implications that they should be thinking about then? That's a great question. So let me break that answer into two different – split it into two different answers. So if we're talking about a Kickstarter project that we have no – intent of ever having any revenue on. So maybe the example is we're making a short film to raise awareness of autism, and we just want this to be available to give to organizations or whatever, but we're not ever going to sell anything. We're not ever hoping someone's going to you know, um, buy up our product or, or, or whatever it is we're developing. In that case, um, really the dollars that are being handed to them are gifts. Um, and as long as the person making the contribution isn't receiving any direct benefit back, so I know some Kickstarter projects, you know, I might say, yeah, I'll give you $50, and as part of your thank you for the $50, you might give me um, uh, a baseball hat. Well, in that case, you're going to have a problem in the sense that you've sold the baseball hat for $50. I know in your and my mind, 
that isn't what happens. But in the eyes of the IRS, they're going to say, you received cash and you gave up an item. So they're going to say, yes, that's revenue, even if that was never your intent. But if it's just a matter of, um, you know, a thank you card, hey, thanks for making the contribution, that kind of thing, where there's no real value that's been exchanged, it's just been a one-way street, you've received the money and the funding, those are going to be deemed gifts, in which case you do not have a tax issue at all. It's not a reportable event. Now, the other um, half of that answer is um, if you are developing a product, let's say you're developing a board game, and you've received Kickstarter money, and you haven't you know, started your own game company, and you don't feel like, you know, I'm not trying to get all organized and you know, replace my day job. I just have this great idea for this game, and it would be fun to put it together and see what happens. Um, really, you are receiving dollars that may or may not be revenue. And let me clarify that. If, uh, if these people, again, are making a contribution and not receiving any value in return, it's still as a gift. If you are giving them anything back, it's revenue to your little company, even though you don't see it as a company. It's revenue to your little project, I guess is the better way to put it. In the eyes of the IRS, uh, even if it's a hobby, if your hobby has revenue, then you have to claim the revenue. If it's a hobby and not a business, uh, your goal is not to make money on it, but it still has revenue, you have to claim the revenue as an income, but you don't get to take the deductions. Uh, it's sort of the worst of both worlds. And, and if you're anticipating getting any revenue back at some point, you're better off saying it's a little company, and that way at least you can write off your development costs or I don't, anything else you may have. If you paid an artist to come in and do some design work, all of that stuff at least is allowed then to write off against uh, any of those contributions from Kickstarter that the people receive something of value back like the baseball hat. Oh, well, that's great, great advice. I mean, it was a quick little question, but the answer obviously is a little bit more complex. So we would encourage any of your listeners who have that kind of question, understand what you just explained, and then go talk to their accountant. That'd be the right answer. All right, John, thanks. It's tax season. I need, I need to let you go back to work. All right, thank you, and have a great day. Thanks. My guests today are a couple of gentlemen who have a very successful Kickstarter project out there right now called Fleet. I'm joined by Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. Uh, and the call, and we're having the call today from the suburbs of Detroit. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks, Rich. Richard. Hey, um, you guys uh, have a very successful as a, as as the recording of this episode. You guys have uh, raised over sixteen thousand dollars for your project. Is that correct? I think. Correct. Yep, sixteen thousand yeah. dollars. It's called Fleet, and it's an incredibly dynamic, compelling theme of. <laughs> fishing, right? <laughs> I say that commercial fishing. commercial fishing. Oh man! I mean, and to, to be fair, one of the highest-rated television shows on cable is um, the Deadliest Catch, right? It is. It is. And, and, was, uh, that, and was that an inspiration for the game? Uh, I would say absolutely. I mean, like like Matt likes to say, um, neither of us terribly like to fish for hours, but. Watching a good fishing show on TV, very exciting. And <laughs> right. why, can't a, why can't a cardboard game uh, be very exciting on the same theme, you know? So let's talk about that. You guys, so this is your first game, right? Yes. And so a fleet's out there, and it kind of, honestly, it has exploded onto Kickstarter. Uh, you guys went live a week ago. And tell me a little bit about that, those, uh, that first day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, as we talked earlier a little bit when we were preparing, um, 
Ben and I, this is our first shot at this, and you know, we've been doing, we kind of were late to the party on promotion, I think. We didn't, uh, we weren't totally sure what we were getting into. So we were a little bit behind. So we really started to hit it hard about a week before. And uh, so leading up to, to Thursday, you know, that, that morning, you know, there was a delay. And we woke up in the morning expecting to see our page up. And Kickstarter had actually had a new process that's like a couple months old. But they have to set, do a secondary review of our page. So to be fair, we were freaking out. You know, our page wasn't up. Our family was like, hey, where's your page? How come I can't buy fleet? You know, we're getting emails and, you know, we're trying to be friendly, but emailing Griffin saying, hey, what the heck? Where's our page? And then suddenly at noon, there it was. And um, it was an amazing feeling. And then as it goes through, you know, we're, we're, we both work at a very large uh, corporation who blocks a lot of Internet sites. And uh, not that we do Internet from work anyway, of course. But uh, so I think we, you know, I'm kind of starting to get some texts as the day goes on from some buddies like, hey, man, this is going pretty good, you know. And there, we're, we're kind of better than changing texts. And, uh all of a sudden, you know, we get home from, you know, home from work at five o'clock and it's already over halfway funded. You know, this is four hours in. And uh, that night we're kind of tracking it. We're talking on the phone and, you know, literally by uh, 11 o'clock or so, 11 o'clock midnight, we were funded. It was, you know, just over $7,000. And I, I, it was amazing. I, I really couldn't describe it. It was such a whirlwind. And so now a week later, here you are, you're at $16,000 and you have how many days left? Too many. A lot. Uh, 40, 49, 50? 49 more days to go. That's going to be a long 49 days. So, you know, what's interesting here is, is as we were talking, how familiar were you guys with Kickstarter before you launched this thing? Uh, not familiar, I think is a good way to put it. Um, we approached Kickstarter uh, at, at kind of the, the idea of Griffin Games. They said, hey, we like your game. You know, we think it's a good game. I mean, we could publish. This is Griffin Games. This is Griffin Games talking, sorry. Uh, but we would like you to, you know, involve Kickstarter in this. So this is this is all the way back in the summer. And, uh, you know, I think I forget, May, April, May. Well, to take a step back, this was after six months of querying every game company on the planet. Right. Okay, that so was let's the- talk about that. So, so what you're saying is, is that you had this game idea, you developed it, and you started basically knocking doors, pitching your game. That right. Was, that was your initial a- approach to this. Yes. We, back in, I think about, I'm going to say December-ish, like, you know, going a year ago, December now, so 13 months ago, 14 months ago, um, more than that. We said, okay, we're going to go out the classic way. We're going to, you know, go through all the processes, the game submission processes. We're going to email. We're going to contact. We're going to phone call if we have to. We're going to find somebody that's going to take fleet on and publish it. You know, and all we had was a pretty good polished rule set and uh, a prototype made with bicycle cards and, you know, computer paper, typed out computer paper. And we said, someone's going to buy this from us. I think they are. And uh, several months later, we're still, you know, we're getting, it's slow. You know, we're getting emails back. Looks kind of interesting. You know, let's, let's take a few more time. We're going to try to play it. And then here was Griffin saying, hey, you know, we, we bought a prototype. Um, we think your game looks great. They play the game, say, hey, this is a good game. And they tell us about Kickstarter. So we, as of May of last year or so, didn't really know what Kickstarter was. And here we are. So that's very unusual because a lot of the projects you're seeing come out on Kickstarter now are intended for Kickstarter. These are designed, intended, and pushed out on Kickstarter. So you guys have had uh, 500 backers, uh, which is a lot of backers in such a short amount of time. Where, where did so – you guys are an, basically an unknown entity on Kickstarter. So where do you think your support has come from? so soon and so aggressively 
I think uh, most of it we, we definitely attribute to social media. I mean, it's 2012, and there's a lot there's a lot you can do for yourself um, on the internet. You know, uh, Facebook we were big on, but I, I don't know how big that was for us. You know, we we got a lot of likes and that whole thing, but I think more so it was the hobby industry um, sites. You know, like Purple Pawn, Giant Fire Breathing Robot, but more so than anything, probably you know the board game geek because. Me and Matt have been gamers forever, and we've been on the site posting just as gamers for, you know, I don't know, three, four, five years. Sure, yeah. And we've been in the design forums, and we just love talking about games. You know, we're not we're not new around. So when, when our game was coming out and all that, I don't think it looked disingenuous for two guys to start saying, hey, check out our game. We got this Kickstarter coming up. What's your advice? I mean, we had some really good advice. I mean, we can't even list the amount of people that gave us phenomenal advice on what we should be doing to make our project successful. And I really just think the community kind of huddled around us and and maybe saw that we had a product they kind of liked and the support was unbelievable. So agreed. Yep. Well this is really interesting because what we're seeing this is something I've been talking about. It's been discussed a lot about on the uh, on the internet and that is this idea that Kickstarter is possibly bad for the industry. That it's bad for the hobby because that it's somehow um, it's somehow allowing mediocre games to slip through the gateways of the publishers and that the publishers somehow act as a uh, as a deterrent towards mediocrity. In your case, you look like you have a pretty good game. It's been play tested. You got a lot of fans out there. Yet every single publisher you took this to basically passed until it, Griffin Game, which is a new publishing house, all their games that they've published are pretty much Kickstarter projects. Isn't that true? Uh, Griffin, you mean? Yeah. No, no, no. Um, they're. I'm sorry. All the the they've published four games recently on Kickstarter. That's what. Yeah, it is. correct. That's correct. That's yeah. Cool. Right. I, I think. I think. Oh, go ahead. Okay, Richard. I think you mentioned earlier when, when we were preparing. I, I think they did something that was very smart. You know, they were they were kind of an old school established publisher with some big titles, I and mean, they've got some of the top, you know, through the rolling yeah, wheel. Half a we own half a dozen of the yeah, games. Through the ages, Carson City. You know, I mean, these are games that are are very well received, and they're. They're big box, you know, right. well-known games. And they were the first one, one of the first ones that said, hey, this Kickstarter thing is a good tool. And they used it. And they started using it last year and they've continued using it. And I think we're, I think we're, you know, not to, we can unarrogantly say that we're their biggest success thus far. And we're happy to be that. And uh, I, just, I give them, I give them a lot of credit for realizing it was a tool that should be utilized. And, and, and honestly, you know, two guys from Detroit who think they have a great game, yeah, like we said before, if 20 people passed on us or whatever, without the Kickstarter tool, I mean, we, we probably never get a shot, let's be honest. So, right. I mean, we just think it's a phenomenal marriage. What what they can bring to the table as far as their legacy of publishing and the logistics of printing and marketing and all that, and then just what we can bring with enthusiasm in our own marketing in the game. I mean, I, I've enjoyed every every minute of it, even before the funding you know, went as it did, um, we were just enjoying it. The process, yeah. So that's a, that's a great uh, point to make to our listeners, and, and that is that you guys really aren't looking to start a game publishing company. That's not what your intent here was. Your intent was to basically be a traditional game designer, take the idea, turn it over to a traditional publisher. They handle the manufacturing. They handle all of those aspects of it. Your job was simply to, to design it, play test it, and now – this new wrinkle is that you have had an act, a very active role in the whole Kickstarter aspect of that. Correct? Yeah, I, I, for absolutely. 
I think we approached this exactly as you stated. Um, we were interested in game design, and that was about it. You know, we weren't interested. In, I mean, you know, Ben and I, you know, Ben has the background in small business, and you know, I've, I've got advanced degrees that claim I know what I'm talking about. I don't. But um, they, so it's not like any of us know what we're doing. I think we could do it if we thought we wanted to, but we honestly don't. And uh, allowing Griffin to handle what they're good at has made it such a great process for us. So we, we can concentrate on what we want to do, which is design games. We didn't want this to be a job. We didn't want to approach this as, okay, we're going to work our nine to five and then come home and work for four more hours every day. We meet once a week. We design games because we want to, you know, and uh, we do it because it's fun. And, and it's, a, it's an enjoyment. It's a hobby. It's an enjoyable process. Fair enough. Well, I certainly appreciate you guys uh, coming onto the show. It's been it's been fun, as you know, because I track it on Purple Pond. I track all the um, all the projects. And as a week goes by, and sometimes lately, uh, two weeks have gone by before I update. And it's always amazing when I see a project like Fleet, the first time it shows up on my list, I mean, it's funded with thousands and thousands of dollars. And I have to ask myself, where in the world did this come from? <laughs> and, and in your guys' case, uh, as we you know, as we wrap up here, as you said, you know, it didn't come from a huge Facebook community or Twitter, but it came from you guys have been active in supporting the board game community out on Board Game Geek for years, and it sounds like that community, including friends and family, came back and supported you early on and aggressively. I, for sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, we were very open with that, Richard. We said, listen, if you're going to support us, please do it, and we all understand momentum. I mean, there's, 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 we read your data, to be honest, on Purple Pond, and we did a lot of research and said, early momentum just proves results. And it's hard to say why. I think there's a psychology to it. People yeah. like to back something that's bound for success. Yeah. And, and like you said, when we analyzed your data and we looked at uh, all the projects, and we, we did try to emulate and be a little strategic. You know, we lucked into a lot, but, yeah. but we did plan a lot. I mean, we, we did crunch the numbers and, you know, um, with the goal setting and this and that, we said if we have to have early success or we're, or we're dead. We right. knew that right away, and we knew we had to do as much as we can in a short amount of time to get that ball rolling or it's probably not going to go anywhere. Right. Well, you're going to be rolling that ball for a couple of months. <laughs> so we'll look forward to checking in on April 27th to see kind of where you guys end up. I have my own estimates. I think uh, where you're at, I'm going to put you somewhere around the uh, – what did I say earlier? The sixty thousand dollar range? You said fifty-five, sixty. That's right. So let's let's pick fifty-five. Uh, let's okay. This is right. I'm going to try to be closest without going over. So I'm gonna, would, we'll I, I think you're going to end up about fifty-five. My sneaky suspicions you're going to go uh, higher, but because everything's going higher lately. But right now, I think you guys got a good shot at that. Um, it looks like a fun game. It certainly is getting a lot of enthusiastic response. Great artwork. Uh, your artist uh, that you guys have chosen has done a fantastic job. So. Good luck to you. Thank you for being on the show. It's been fun to just kind of chat with you guys and, and to see this happy accident that you guys have kind of just discovered this next generation of how to bring a board game to market. So congratulations. Thank you, Richard. Thank, Thank you, Richard. You. We appreciate it a lot. Okay, I appreciate you guys being on the show. And you have been listening to Funding the Dream with Matt and Ben from the suburbs of Detroit with their game Fleet. You've been listening to Episode 42 of Funding the Dream. A few words before we leave, don't forget that my next Kickstarter workshop in person is at Conquest in Sacramento on March 17th at 2 p.m. And then in April, on April 7th at 11 a.m., I'll be at PAX East in Boston doing a Kickstarter workshop. You've been listening to Funding the Dream. Be inspired. Go fund your dream.